Hey folks, just a reminder that I've got a Patreon page set up to support the podcast. Go to www.patreon.com slash heylagrange to check it out and show some love. Thanks. Hi folks, I'm Earl Gordon Barnett, and you're listening to Hey LaGrange, the podcast of LaGrange, Georgia we seek to explore the stories of this sleepy southern community and hope to show that it's not so sleepy after all. Like I said before, I'm Earl Barnett, and I first moved to LaGrange in 2010 when my wife and I bought a house to split the difference between her commute to work as an art teacher in Harris County and my commute to Emory University for a second master's program. I've worked as a history teacher on two separate occasions. I've worked as a higher ed instructor, philosophy, I'm a hobbyist photographer, I'm a brain cancer survivor, and I'm a pro wrestling aficionado. This podcast is currently what I fill my time with. It's my passion. I considered myself exiled in the Grange for a long time, and sometimes still do if I'm being completely honest. This podcast is my seeking to make LaGrange my home, and not just the place I keep my stuff. Through the interviews, I hope that not only will you, the listener, get to hear the stories of people of the Grange, but that also with each episode, I will grow a deeper connection and attachment to the community. Well, that's the hope anyways. Thanks for listening to our conversations and journeying with us as we travel towards a mutual place of asylum here in the Grange. Birds here. I told you on the air that they were coming out. But we waited and waited and waited, and finally I went to the back to see if I could find them. And I learned that they were on the telephone. And I was informed that they were busy, and that the fans could just wait until they were ready to come out. So, we didn't have time for any such thing, so instead of the Freebirds, I've invited Chick Donovan out. Chick, glad to have you with us. Certainly a great gesture of sportsmanship from you in that bout as the fans voice their approval. Thank you, Mark, for this time to publicly apologize to John Mantell, a fantastic athlete he is. John, if anything I can do to help you, brother, just let me know. I'm sorry that ever happened. And please, just anything, just call me, John, because my mom and dad were raised Christians all their lives, you know, and uh, they taught me humility and to always help people and never do them wrong. So I just couldn't take that victory, John. I'm sorry it happened. But you know, humility shows the cream of the crop. You know, Mark, the cream always rises to the top somehow. He has to dig a little harder. And I know with all you people behind me that we can rise to the top. Please just stay behind me and keep the humility I've got now. And us together, we can go all the way. Let's go, wipe out. In the second of three parts, Golden Boy Chick Donovan opines on wrestling and life in general. He details opening a gym, working 15 years as a per-professional for the Chup County school system, and wrestling Andre the Giant in a battle royale. This was a great and eye-opening interview, as most of this information was completely new to me, and perhaps will be to you as well. So here we go. But yeah, I think all those, the, the older guys and all those folks that came before me, uh, I learned a lot from, even at the hospital, learned how to do IVs. 
Okay. Now, now you can hurt folks pretty bad with that needle if you're not good with it. So, I learned to be really good with it. Okay. Uh, so I had some good influences there, some good teachers teach me how to stick veins. Then uh, one of my jobs was to teach the nurses when they were going through uh, uh, nursing school how to, how to do uh, star IVs. In fact, back then, though, those days, the nurses, they graduate, RNs graduate from college at 4.20 an hour. Wow. That's now, really now cool. just uh, on the Amster, they make 17. But I worked those four full-time jobs, uh, the hospital job, I mean, the fire department job, uh, one uh, emergency room job with the ambulance service and all that kind of stuff, uh, and then a regular hospital, and then a mental hospital. And all three of those, all four of those jobs together came $8.30 an hour, I think, <laughs> what it came up to. So it took a lot of eight dollars to, you know, but gas and whatever is like less expensive than it is now. But still, eight bucks is not a whole lot. But yeah, they started four dollars an hour back when I was teaching nurses out of state veins. But uh, well, it's come a long way since those days. Everything's come a long way, I guess. Uh, now where am I going now? I forgot with the, my background. People who have may be successful. I think quite successful though in in, in relationship to of learning knowledge mm -hmm. and able to be able to uh, relate that knowledge in, in a way people understand. I love I love teaching. Mm -hmm. uh, special ed was my forte. Okay. And because I'm not much I'm a special ed person myself, but and so I can relate to the kids who need more more uh, you know just more what uh, more attention. Okay. Uh, just more t more time to, to learn something. They were a little slower than some other kids, but uh, you know, they were kind of like the guys in the wrestling. You ask, you ask a young guy in the wrestling, what's the what's the job of a bad guy? He says to cheat. Ask the little kid that's in, in special ed, what's your, what's the job? What what's uh, how come you're special ed? Because I'm a bad kid. Uh -huh. See, that's the wrong concept. Ain't a bad kid. He's just, he's, a, he's a lucky kid, and in special ed because he gets more help. And with the job of a bad guy is not to cheat, but I wrestle the good guy, like we talked about before. Mm -hmm. But you know the concept until you can teach the concept, you know, it's a, mm -hmm. they don't have the right concept. But uh, that's why I really enjoy being able to teach that and, and enlighten folks on, on what the real deal is. I think because it took me a long time. I went through a lot of heartache to learn what the real deal is. That make a good transition to your time as a substitute teacher at Troop High School. Well, yeah, I went. Uh, I was substitute, and I went full time as a, as a paraprofessional. Oh, okay. That's when I got into special right into, into special ed, and then went in mainstream. That I had to go back to, to substitute. But I was there, I guess, fifteen years in Troop County School system. Oh, wow! But I started. I was always a, had a full time job, seven, you know, the mm -hmm. whole whole year generally. Yeah. Whenever I got a seven, but that that special ed time was 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 really good. And then they mainstream all the kids into back into the into the regular classes, mm -hmm. and then they kind of kind of killed it off. But uh, but that was that's about 15 years was really good. And a troop, and then switch Callaway. I was there. I think Callaway more than I was a troop. Okay. At the end there. Yeah. But you remember that? No, somebody actually, um, Holly, I believe, from oh, really? Holly from Instagram asked about it. Yeah, yeah. Holly, I think Holly was a teacher of. Uh, a language teacher or something for the kids, for special ed kids. If I mean, if that's the same Holly, I don't. She'd know. come. She she'd come by. Uh, I think once a week and uh, have, have different lessons with them. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I think the same Holly. She was a member of my gym. I'm sure it's the same Holly. Okay, but yeah, talking about the gym now. <clears throat> when I first started in Lagrange, uh, I I wouldn't like very well. Who's that big son of a gun? I think he is, and I didn't say son of a gun either. <laughs> so, 
and I got in the gym business, and uh, and there was a bunch of a bunch of the, the guys that that worked 12 hours a day and came in and worked out like crazy in the gym, and uh, I wanted to make it a better gym for those guys. So I was on my hands and knees, literally on my hands and scrubbing floors, painting, doing all, making it, making it, making the gym better for those guys, and mm -hmm. I earned their respect. And then uh, and today, Gary Johnson and uh, oh gosh, so many of them. Not to mention all of them, after to mention one, but I love them to death like brothers, man. But they're the ones who made, actually made me. Mm -hmm. They made me who I am. People make you. You don't make yourself. You do the work and they'll make you. Like in the ring, you don't make yourself. The people make you. You, you know, the biggest superstar in, 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 in the movie, movie business. If nobody came to watch the movie, he wouldn't make a dime. He would just be a person, another, another guy in a movie. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, but the people, you have to think of the people who make you. You got to, you know, the more you, the more you, come successful, the more humble you have to become. You have to stay on your knees because the folks make you. Now, if you if you got a business in town, you got to stay on your knees, looking up to them folks that come in and buy your product or come and spend their money at your gym or wherever it may be. And then you need to take care of them a little 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 gift every once in a while of appreciation. That's actually a really good piece of advice. Now, if you have employees and a little bonus once in a while, it's always good, better than a raise sometimes. Just show your appreciation to all the all the folks who make you. You know, like I said, you don't make yourself. <clears throat> when I, when I, this is an, <clears throat> this is anything correlated, but when I, when I drive in that parking lot at, at, the, at the wrestling, I'm a superstar. I care of myself like a superstar. I get in that ring and I pay everything, I pay the folks back as a superstar. And they look at me as a superstar. But when I leave there, I'm just another jabroni. But you gotta know who you are and who you ain't. You gotta know when to use it and when not to use it. You gotta know when to, when 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 you're on that in that spotlight, you're the spotlight. But when you leave there, you, you're just on your hands and knees. You, you you just gotta be humble. You can't be arrogant. People know arrogance from just right from the get go, and that's no good. But you gotta stay humble. You gotta always realize that people make you. You don't make yourself. And. Uh, and you earn, that's how you earn your respect, I think. I took a big downfall in town. I was on top, I guess you could say, and then took a big tumble to the bottom. I got respect on the way up, but I, I got more respect on the way back up. You know, that's what shows your character. Okay. When you take a big bump, or take a big bump, you take a big fall, about down to zero again. Mm -hmm. Maybe less than zero. But then pick yourself back up and get going again. And uh, I got a lot of handshakes and hundred dollar bills in, in town from different people of of stature, I guess you call mm -hmm. that, of substance. Uh, I guess just through admiration of getting back up and going again. Mm -hmm. So you know, it's okay to fail, but don't stay that long. You get back up and keep going. Okay. Question: How did you get the name? How did you get the nickname um, Chicken Golden Boy? Chick Donovan. Gold, I'll tell you, the Golden Boy I gave you, but Chick Donovan was my granddad's boxing name. Oh, okay. <laughs> he, he was, he was, that's reading the C-H-I-C-K, because they, they can't, got it out of chicken. He was a smaller guy. <laughs> I mean, this chicken, you know, whatever the deal was, but that was C-H-I-C-K, but his middle name was Donovan. Um, and the Golden Boy came from, we are in the dressing room in Columbus, Georgia, and Russing too was there, and, and I always, uh, were pretty articulate in the way I dressed, and uh, I, you know, I changed the colors of my shoestrings and my boots, my white boots, to this color trunks I was wearing. Ah. I, like, I always liked them kind of color coordinated and whatever, but through mm -hmm. the years. But uh, I, one day, one one night, we're in Columbus there, and uh, Russell Dew was sitting across the aisle from me, across the room from me, and he, 
I had a gold shoestrings in, the, in my boots and a gold tights on, and my hair was, was blonde at that time. Now it's white now, but it was blonde at that time. And he said, y'all call yourself the Golden Boy. So that was about 1979. I'd been wrestling a couple of years, I guess, but about around 79, and so the Golden Boy was created right there. There's only been only one other, Arnold Scolden, uh -huh. Golden Boy, and he was an older guy in New York. But, but that's where the Golden Boy came from, the chick down was from my granddad. My granddad was a boxer for years and, and around uh, up north. They uh, they boxed on the Al Capone's banner, I guess, because okay. he, he he ran all the, mm -hmm. anything to do with entertainment, whatever, Al Capone was the guy. But uh, in later years, uh, he became an evangelist preacher. But uh, granddad, he would come to Augusta from Baltimore to watch some of my matches. He would, he would come visit me in Macon when I was living in Macon okay. just to see how I was doing. And, Thing. He was always really proud of using that uh, Chick Donovan name. And uh, I, even in high school when I had a band, I used to sign autographs Chick Donovan, I guess, in those days. Back mm -hmm. in the I guess, late 50s, 60s, whatever it was. Do a little play play music for a junior, senior prom or something. Mm -hmm. But uh, but I think he was always, always like that. You know, he'd come to visit me. That's a long way to come visit, just to say hello or whatever. Yeah. You know, but uh, I always thought that was pretty cool. We were, and he, he liked that. But uh, it, I remember one night in Augusta, mother was there, mother went to come, that's the last time she ever came to the matches. And she was kind of going nuts when I doing it during the match or something. He said, Jackie, just settle down. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> but uh, he just kind of settled down a little bit. But uh, great fond memories of my granddad in Baltimore. I was able to have a, had a match in Baltimore right before he passed away. He was managing and preaching at a, at a high rise. Okay. Uh, he didn't come to the show. He wasn't able to get to the show, but he was there. I got to visit with him, spent a couple of nights with him in, uh, in Baltimore. And then he passed away thereafter. But uh, that was cool. I thought I spent some of the last days with him. That's awesome. Yeah. So, what advice would you give someone wanting to pursue a career similar to yours? <laughs> they can do something else. <laughs> Now, whatever you whatever you find out what your niche is in life or whatever you want to do, just uh, work hard and uh, and uh, if you don't know how, somebody get somebody who knows how and uh, and they'll tell you how to how to become successful. But it just comes through work. Okay. Uh, you know, some people made for maybe for athlete, athleticism. Some people made they work on computers. You know, mm -hmm. uh, just just think of what's going to what the best advice I've ever, I've ever heard. Those who who, those who solve the biggest problems make the most money. Got it. So if you want to make the most money, be, be somebody that can solve a problem. You can be the biggest nerd in the, in the business. You can be an Urkel, but, but uh, so if you solve the biggest problem in that, in that manufacturing company, you're going to make the most money there, brother. So that's, that's the best, I think, the best advice. I got that from my preacher. Makes sense. All right. Can you tell me about the story of the best wrestler to work with? Wow. Now there's been a match on TV uh, on the internet that has probably got several million shots. And it's Ric Flair. Yeah, I watched it last night. Man, oh, did you really? And I, there's a story about that I just heard the other night. I was in Sylvania, but anyway, yeah, Flair. I, I get to answer that question. And Flair was really incredible to work with. Uh, Brad Armstrong, rest his soul. Uh, Ricky Steamboat, mm -hmm. uh, incredible athlete. Uh, Paul Orndorff mm -hmm. can't work anymore, but. Uh, uh, Gosh, Ted Allen, another, he's passed away now. And just the opportunity to work with all the greats, uh, Ole and uh, the mass superstar, uh, just all those greats through the years. I'm 
have my thing in my mind. I, I forgot where I'm going with it, but well, those guys were just wonderful to work with. But uh, but that match with Flair, now that was kind of a that was kind of a deal. I'm not gonna get into that. It was something Dusty wanted to kind of hurt, try to hurt me with it. Oh, and that's when he commentated. That's when he was commentating. And since he's passed away, I guess I can even talk, tell about it. I got heat with Dusty. It's probably the biggest mistake I ever made in my career. I walked out of run one time, mm. and I was his main boy for a long time. And uh, but I walked out on him once, and he wouldn't speak to me again. And that was several years. He wouldn't already he wouldn't speak to me, even in the same dressing room. He wouldn't speak at WCW or whatever. But uh, but he commentated. He put me with Flair, and he commentated that match. That's when he was commentating. He was saying this, that, and the other. And then all of a sudden, I started doing what he said he would be doing. And it was kind of funny. <laughs> but uh, I know where I was going with this thing. But I was at the match in Sylvania last Friday night. And it's, town about four and a half hours from here mm -hmm. and there was a guy there that had talked to Flair and Flair said I was one of the best guys he's ever worked with and Flair worked with guys every night hours matches every every night mm -hmm. in territories all over the country but he I, and I never I never knew that but he said I was probably the best he had to work with that's really cool which I, I, I don't know that's pretty stretching the point when he had <laughs> steamboat night after night and all these other guys Dusty and uh, but uh I that was quite a compliment, I think. Take the compliment. Oh, yeah. Now, if I could do that match over, I'd do it a lot differently. I'd put him in figure four off the right, right quite quick, probably. <laughs> I would have done a few other little things, but uh, sometimes in the, you know. But, you know, it was okay. But I would like to change a few things. But that, mm -hmm. that's the growing process, the learning process of being there, of being here now, uh, of knowledge. Knowledge is power, you know. You know, without knowledge, without with, without works, knowledge is no good. So, and if you got knowledge, you got you got to share it. Mm -hmm. And no matter what it is, you got to go and, and and just share it with those whom that would uh, they would benefit. Like, but I've learned now in the dressing room. Every time I go in the dressing room, I'm trying to make it a better dressing room, uh, change the whole demeanor from. Now, when I first started, when we first started in business, we got in the dressing room. We were not we weren't we weren't allowed to say anything. Okay. We just had to sit down. We just sit down and listened. Uh, when you listen, you can learn something. Mm -hmm. When you're talking, you don't. You know, a man's thought of food. He opens his mouth, and there's no doubt. So you sit down and listen. That might be another story in a minute for a minute. But uh, oh god, I just I was just thinking about Chichi Rodriguez when I was at the foundation down in Florida working with Chichi with, with Chichi and all the kids there. And that's even another story. Maybe I can get back to the other minute in a minute, but uh, that arranged another story. I was at the, at the golf course with Chi Chi, and he taught me. He's actually what I taught me. I've been playing golf 60 years. My dad used to put me out early morning and pick me up late at night at the, at the golf course and during the summer every year when I was, when I was 10 mm -hmm. years old, I guess, and through, the, through the years. But he taught me, uh, Chi Chi taught me the, the fundamentals, the, the golf swing and all the fundamentals of golf. But Alan Doyle, Hill, and Green taught me golf. Golf's between the years, you know, professional sports between the years. But anyway, I was able to work with the kids there and uh, teach them this, that, and I, I did all kind of work from cleaning out the, the sand traps to whatever. But uh, one day at the gym, this little kid came in and uh, with his wife, and, and I was sitting down and talking to folks for us before we signed them up and whatever. But uh, and golf came up, and he said, the last time I played golf was when you taught me. But he was one of the kids at the foundation. That had been kicked out of school for whatever reason it was, and he was at the foundation. I helped him with it, with, with golf or something. I don't know. But uh, he was there in the gym getting them on and buying them a membership, and I thought that was kind of cool. But Chi Chi was a great guy. They had that foundation battery abuse kids and, okay. and, and Clearwater, and uh, 
Uh, that was a real high spot of my career. I left mm -hmm. one of my world heavyweight belts there. In fact, it's that belt right there in the picture there. I left that belt with the foundation in Florida. Oh, okay, cool. And uh, when I was heavyweight champion in Florida. But uh, yeah, that was, he was quite a character. Chi Chi was a good man. And uh, that was a big high spot, I think. But he taught me the fundamentals of golf. But Alan Doyle, he'll taught me, and he in town taught me golf. That's between the years. What's your favorite golf place in LaGrange? What's your favorite golf hole in LaGrange? This question's from Jake Matthews. Oh, well, I see. The Legion was uh, the, the training grounds. Of, okay. uh, it had every every shot in golf you wanted from left to right, right to left, and it had small greens. You had to you had to hit, learn how to hit L wedges off of dirt fairways. Uh, you had to learn you had to play in some, at one time some of the worst conditions there was. Sometimes it was not too bad a condition, but most of the time it was pretty nominal. But you had to learn all those shots, and then you had Alan there teaching. He didn't teach golf; we learned from him. He, like I said, he told me risk reward. Get keep that club in the bag and get to one out. One you 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 can hit six times out of ten instead of one time out of ten. You know, he just taught me that type of risk reward thing. But uh, the, the fields was a really nice golf course, and when the fields came around, it was a in a very elite golf course. Uh, it still is. It's still nice. And now the first tee, Alan Doyle created the first tee, and not created the first tee, but he, he, they built a course in the town for the first tee. He runs it because he runs the country club as well. I played the country club at, at, at one time as well, but he runs the first tee where I play golf now frequently, uh, probably almost every day. I'm chipping. I work mm -hmm. on my game. I still work on game chipping all up hours and hours on the short game. I can teach you the short game. Can't teach you the long game. I can teach you how to chip and putt, but uh, through through his influence, through Doyle's. Doyle was probably the best best uh, wedge player ever in golf. Since maybe Bobby Jones or somebody, but uh, even though he was the best, because he learned from that legion. Mm -hmm. It had to be so precise. He was just pinpoint. He'd pinpoint those wedges, man. But uh, he had the work ethic. Allen said he wasn't the best golfer, but he had the best work ethic. He had it. He had, had the most. He had, he had. He had it in between the years, mm -hmm. and that's the difference. You can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't work at it, you'll never be successful at it. You may do okay, but you won't never reach your potential. Got it. It's all about the work you put in to reach your potential. Mm -hmm. And you can go way beyond your potential if you have work and the right and, and some instruction mm -hmm. and somebody helping you. But uh, but uh, it's all about the work you put in anything in life. I'm sensing that it's a common theme today. Sir? I'm sensing that is a common theme today. This is the work you put in. Oh, it's all about the work and the work ethic, building the work ethic. If I didn't have a work ethic, I would never, and I would never have anybody help me get that gym together. There was a recording error, so we lost some audio here. The recording picks back up with a discussion of doing difficult things first. Back up to saying kids in school and, and whatever grade you're in, do the things you hate doing, do it first. Do your home, do that homework first and get that out of the way. And that'll help you learn a, a work ethic. Get the stuff you don't like, do it first, and the other stuff comes a lot easier. Then you get all your work done. If you wait, you wait for that hard stuff last, you'll just you'll you'll never get it done, more than likely. And you go to school without your work done. And uh, and that's not good. You want to get that worst stuff done first, and then follow up with the good stuff, and take and be proud of what you do and take school and, and put the big smile on you on your face and teach. Look what I've done. I've got it. I got it all done, boy. And that's building a work ethic. Now, if I didn't have the work ethic when I when I started the gym here in town, Mike King would have never helped me. Mike King was probably the reason I got the gym going to begin with. 
he brought his guys in. We did. He did all the build out for me. He probably did hundred thousand dollars worth of work for me. Wow! To get that gym in and get a building ready for a gym because it was his building, but still, it's beside the point. But he knew I had a work ethic. That I was going to work. I worked twenty four hours an hour in, in, in there with him, getting getting it ready, mm-hmm. going. So it's all about the work ethic. If you've got a work that ethic in school, and you build that work ethic, and anybody will tell you how to be successful, whatever you decide you want to do in life. But you got to you got to put forth that work first. Mm-hmm. It ain't gonna help you if you don't get the work. If you ain't, if you ain't gonna put the work first, uh, you you might as well just you know hang it up. But if you put the work first, you put that work ethic to it. Anybody will help you that has the knowledge of where you want to go. Because they'll be proud to be able to carry that leg, their own legacy on. That's what mm-hmm. I do in wrestling. I'm proud to be now to be able to carry that, to, 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 to translate that legacy now and to, into reality to, and, and to build it into people that know, oh yeah, he'll remember 20 years from now, he's like, yeah, that's what he told me. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's working. So that's, that's what you want to do. You want to get the work ethic and people to help you, brother. And, uh, and without that, you know, but do your work first, and then your, your success in life starts today. I don't care if you're in the first grade, second grade, third grade. It starts today. Your, your future starts now. It ain't when you get out of school. It's starting now. Building that work, building that, uh, building that work ethic to, to, to get where you want to go in life. Yes. I try to instill that in my son with eat the vegetables first. Uh-huh. Right. And that's the healthy part first. But, uh, but uh, you want to be, you know, to be successful, to get to point, get on point, and uh, get to a career, and and be able to retire in that career, uh, in that career with a, with a pretty good uh, livelihood and be able to relax when you get 65. I'm 73 and still still working four jobs. So from personal training to, to here to, oh gosh, I don't know, to oh, music and whatever mm-hmm. else I do. But uh, it's all about the work ethic. All right. Alan Pruitt wants to know, did you ever meet Andre the Giant? I wrestled on Jader John once. Maybe we were in the dressing room in, in Carrollton, Georgia. And uh, I think he drank a, a, a case of beer and a fifth, a fifth of vodka before he goes in the ring or something. Like that. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> he drinks a lot. He holds a bunch of stuff. But yeah, I wrestled him there that night in a, in a battle royal. Mm-hmm. I think I still got the card somewhere at home in a storage bill or something. If it's not destroyed by now. But but I was on that card with Andre the Giant. That was pretty cool. Big guy. But the, the Giant now, the guy they got now, um, uh, White, he's just a big guy. He's bigger mm-hmm. than the giant was. Paul White, yeah, big show. Yeah, he, big show was bigger than the giant. Uh, but uh, he's he's a normal guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you call that normal, but he's just huge, seven foot, whatever it is. Yeah. But uh, but the giant was a hell of a boss. <laughs> but uh, nobody wanted to take him around, and, and when he come to the territory, you know, they'd put your car to the ground. But <laughs> so Vince made him a special van in New York. And uh, it has a ride around with special suspension on it, so he didn't tear your car up. He had his own, he had his own transportation that, that they built him. But uh, he was a good guy, you know. I was around him a few times, but uh, he didn't say a whole lot. But that old boss, <laughs> but uh, but uh, he seemed to be a good guy. And I think he he, he passed away right at his right after his dad passed away. I think somewhere wherever they live, mm-hmm. in France or somewhere. I think. All right, last question about professional wrestling. What's one common myth about professional wrestling that you want to debunk? A myth about wrestling? Yeah. I want to debunk. Uh, well, people got their own opinions about wrestling, which they, they can have their own opinions, but until you get there, you don't even really know what it is. Uh, you can say, I, I know how you feel if you're trying to console somebody with cancer. If you never had cancer, you say, I know how you feel. You don't know how you feel. You never felt it. 
if you've never been in a ring, never took a bump, you don't know what it is. You don't know how it feels. Fair enough. And, uh, you know, you sacrifice your body to, to entertain you. They want to want to knock the business uh, for one reason or another. It, uh, it's, it's, I guess it could be a business, a business of illusions to, to a degree. Uh, the circus, maybe? Uh, but it's an all-athletic. I mean, you, you go out there and work five minutes, and I guarantee you your tongue be dragging the ground. Oh, yeah. I go out there and work an hour because I'm in shape. I've worked hard. Mm -hmm. You know, worked hard cardiovascularly and, and anatomically to, mm -hmm. to be able to take that punishment, to be able to take all those blows and all the fists inside the head, chairs in the back. Let me hit you in the chair in the head and see how you feel it, you know. But you just take it and go on because that's just part of, that's part of the deal. That, mm -hmm. That's part of the life you're leaving to, to try to entertain folks. But you sacrifice your body to do that. And wrestling is whatever you want to make it. Mm -hmm. That's all I can say. It's whatever you want to make it. And we just sacrifice ourselves to, to, to put a smile on your face. And that's my whole thing I do in life now. Uh, Going to nursing homes and oh, we play music at a nursing homes. This, this one lady, I always she's in a wheelchair, but I always dance with them and stuff. But I had to do a, a Medicare talk at a nursing home here in town. And I was told this lady bought two new red dresses for me. One for that, one, one, one for that, one for the uh, deal, the Medicare talk, and another red dress, a new one for, for the, I was gonna go play the next Saturday at the, at the play music next Saturday at the nursing home. So she bought two red, two red dresses just for me. I mean, how, how incredible is that? She bought two red dresses just for, just for me. Uh, Wow, that's bigger than I really thought about it until I just thought about it now, how big that was, how well, she really bought those red dresses just for me. But I would dance with her, and she jumped up out of, out of the wheelchair and just started dancing and carrying. But yeah, she was real sweet, but uh, you know, it's just a matter of paying attention to the folks that probably don't get paid attention to. Mm -hmm. We all need, we all the same. I don't care, whatever, we all the same. We all need love, we need somebody to wipe your butt and feed you and love you. and. People say, oh, I feel so sorry for the kid in the wheelchair, but he's, he's where it's at. He ain't got to worry about life. Just saying, as long as somebody's got to feed him and love him. Mm -hmm. That's all you need in life is peace of mind. And when you got peace of mind, you got it all. You know, peace of mind comes in different things. Peace with your religion, peace with your family, peace with your work. When you got peace with that, savor it because it don't come often. Once you get it, you got utopia. It's all about peace of mind, peace within yourself. Peace to go to work. It's just your peace with your own life. That's the ultimate goal in life, to have peace, peace of mind. And when you get that, I had it once and I threw it away. And I'm still paying for it after all these years, after 25 years still paying for it. But, uh, but that's a life lesson. Once you get that peace of mind, just whatever, just savor it, man. You have to. And, but that's the ultimate goal of life, is peace of mind, peace within yourself. It's peace. Well, that was the interview. I hope you enjoyed listening. Don't forget to follow on social media and leave us a comment and review on whatever, whatever podcast form you're listening on. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with someone else who you think will enjoy it. Email me your thoughts on today's show at earlgbarnett at gmail.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a comment for bonus points. Follow at earlgbarnett on Instagram and earlbarnett on Twitter. Follow the podcast at Lagrange on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks again for listening. Enjoy your week, and remember that creativity takes courage.